Hi, I'm Emma, and this is The Sum of All Films. Welcome back to the Sum of All Films. Thank you so much for tuning in. For today's episode, I sat down with one of my best friends, Claire, and we discussed whether or not adaptations should perfectly and exactly match source material. Claire's a super fun one to have on for this episode because she actually runs her own small press out of the interior in British Columbia, and I will link her website and her Instagram down below. I definitely recommend that you check her out. She puts a lot of work into curating, designing, and printing and binding and marketing all the chapbooks that she's made maybe i'll even link her patreon down below if you want to subscribe to that as well i highly recommend it i've been a patron for months and i love you know getting a surprise chapbook in the mail every couple months so yeah super recommend claire's the best as i'm sure you'll see over the next two parts of this episode we discuss what we think about the publishing industry today and what makes a sacred text and what we look for when choosing our perfect narrative. We mention a lot of movies and books just in passing, sometimes even just by name without really even getting into it. And so to do all the work for you and make sure that you are focusing on our super intelligent opinions rather than trying to hang on to the name of something in case you want to check it out for yourselves i've put a list down in the show notes of everything that we've mentioned the ones that we go into the most when we're discussing whether or not adaptations should match or not are children of men annihilation normal people call me by your name the tragedy of macbeth and the great gatsby we get into our analysis um with Annihilation and The Great Gatsby in this episode near the end and the beginning is mostly just context and how we feel about the books and movies that we want to discuss and how we kind of came to them. We talk quite a bit about just the politics surrounding Call Me By Your Name and a certain someone whose name <laughs> rhymes with schmarmy schmammer. Um, and then part two will come out next week where we discuss Call Me By Your Name and normal people, and the tragedy of Macbeth, and children of men more in, in depth. So make sure you tune in next week as well, so you can hear the rest of the episode. But without further ado, let's just get right into it. Hi, Claire. Hi, Emma. How's it going? Good. <laughs> Better that you're here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen Claire in so long, so this is super fun. You guys all get to be witness of us finally <laughs> hanging out again, because we live so far apart. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on this is a long time coming yes i think you were like one of the first people that i mentioned that i was gonna do this to like months and months ago but we just live so far apart that it never happened so we've been thinking about this for a long time <laughs> no pressure or anything but yeah i'm super super excited for this episode um i always say this but i'm like this is why this person is like the perfect person for this particular topic which is we're going to be debating whether or not adaptations should match um, source material. My favorite movie, Children of Men, um, it kind of brought us together. Yes, it yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, we were, so we were in the same publishing program in college or university or whatever you want to call it. And Claire and I were not in the same first year but we were in the same second year mm -hmm. just because the program got a lot more specific and we had to be in Vernon because that's where the printing shop is. Mm -hmm. So I had to trek out to Vernon every couple of days. And I remember in the first couple of weeks, 
you were in my classes and I remember being like, this girl is so cool and smart and she will never (laughs) want to be my friend. Like she is so much better than me at this program. And then we were in, I think it was one of Modal's classes, one of the comms classes. And this was around the time where I really, I thought I wanted to work in publishing Mm -hmm. and Around this time, I started making literally every single project I ever did about movies instead. Like, yes. <laughs> every chance I got. Every project. Yeah, and it started to, like, I was like, oh, gosh, I can feel where my interests are leaning. And I did a project on Children of Men, like, where I had to, like, present in front of the whole class. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't even think I, like, followed what the actual project was supposed to be. I just spewed on about the movie for like mm-hmm. 20 minutes and everyone was like I don't think that's what this was supposed to be but I got really good marks well it was it was about like imagery in yeah. like like or sim like the symbolism in the communications of the movie yeah I thought I hit the bar okay good because yeah. yeah I was like I don't even care like I don't even know if I like read like the actual because they give you that little piece of paper that like tells you what you're supposed to do I don't even know if I read it I was like ooh, a presentation I'm gonna talk about my favorite movie <laughs> anyway so I did that and then the next day, or like a couple days later, you showed up to our, one of our probably like design classes. Oh yeah, with Jason. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. like he, what, what class did you, I don't know, it was probably like manuscript editing yeah. or whatever. And uh, I was like sitting at my desk and you like walked over and I don't think we'd really spoken. I don't think so. But we like both knew that we liked a lot of the same stuff, like bands and like had a lot of the same interests. And you like came over and you put this book down. I have it in my bag right here. You put the book down. <laughs> yes, on my table. Yes. And you're like, I was in like Valley Village or something. Yeah. And I found this and I bought it for you. And I was like, <laughs> what? And you're like, yeah, I just bought it for you. And I'm so bad at receiving gifts. And I was like, this is the nicest thing anyone's ever done. And you were like, it was literally a dollar. It's fine. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And that was just a beginning of a beautiful friendship yeah that was i i every time i'm like oh my gosh like i finally get to see my friend claire today and they'll be like oh like who's claire and i'm like well and i tell them that story and they're like wow she seems really nice and they're like yeah she's the coolest ever um yeah and then i think you had had you watched the film before that? i hadn't so no. you watched it, I think. Yeah, and I was I was literally, like, live texting you, I think, yeah. while I was watching. And you were like, wow, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, and yeah. then I forced everyone I knew to yeah. watch it. I'm like, Same. Ethan, we're watching this. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, so I have, like, a very, like, a fondness to this movie. Like, I already loved it, and then that, like, made me, like, love it even more. And I have, <laughs> I think you know this, I have, like, a desk with like a shelf right beside it that I work at when I work from home and it's basically just like a Claire shrine (laughs) like we send each other like a lot of like mail and stuff and also you run your press which I one kept talk about too um so it's just like it's just like three shelves worth of just like everything Claire has ever made for me plus like this book and it just I just stare at it like all the time and I'm like at least someone in the world loves me. <laughs> Claire's thinking of me, so that's always, always nice. Always. Yeah, but yeah. So you, if you guys want after this more content, Claire content, you can find her at Broke Press on Instagram. I'll link it down yes. below. Or she has a couple other podcasts. She's like a podcast veteran. Yeah, I've been a guest here yeah. and there. <laughs> yeah, and also go buy some of her chapbooks. They're really really cool. They're all kind of like written by people that we no like personally all really great people Mm -hmm. yeah all writers from bc Mm -hmm. i think at this point 
Yeah. 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 And I make I make little books. Yeah, and they're so I love them. I look at them like all the time because they're always right beside me and I'm just like, God, I don't know how you do it. Sometimes I don't either. But <laughs> <laughs> but I do. Yeah, but you get it done, yeah. But yeah, so I think like you would be perfect for this just because like you're a huge reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like a like a smart reader. Like you're not like a TikTok book reader. Like you're a reader no. reader. Someone actually just told me that apparently people are like book covers are starting to have like the TikTok logo on <gasps> them if they're like a TikTok book trend. No. And that was really upsetting to me as a yeah. book like designer. I was like imagine having to just put the TikTok no. logo on your book cover you just designed. No. That's really sad to me. That is sad. Or, like, yeah, because they do, like, they do the, like, non-removable stickers mm-hmm. now where, like, it looks like a sticker. Like, if you win printed. a big award, then yeah. it has a sticker on it. But they're doing that now with, like, if it's a TikTok book. No. Every TikTok book I've ever read, either I didn't finish or I hated it. Oh, really? Yeah, because, like, everyone talks about Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo couldn't even make it through the first chapter. I was like, this is so not for me. And then everyone was really talking about that Colleen Hoover book. Um, And so I can't remember the actual title, but Mm. it's like the most famous one. She has like a couple, but like this is like the the most talked about one, maybe like a month or two ago. So like April, May, June, July time. Okay. Um, And uh, I like skimmed through it because it has a lot of like journal entries, which are so poorly written and annoying. Mm. And I think like a lot of the context of like why this book is important is like hidden in those journal entries. But I don't like narrative journal entry, narrative journal entry, which is funny because that's literally what the children of men novel is. (laughs) Um, But like I skimmed through it and I hate, I was like, why are people, why are people loving this book? It's so bad. Like we have a Wattpad culture of readers. Oh Yeah. Which, like, but no shame. It's hard. it's hard for me, though, because, like, like publishing is dying so fast. So I'm honestly just happy whenever people buy books. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even care what books you buy as long as you buy it and you don't buy it from Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's it. I'm like, yeah. buy whatever you want. Yeah. Read <laughs> but, your own, yeah, your own taste yeah. and stuff. I'm so glad that you wanted to do this topic because I feel like this is, like, my, like, bread and butter. Like, I'm like, I love this. Like... Um, I did an episode with my friend Quinn, who I think you guys would be really good friends, so I want you guys to meet oh, sometime. Oh, I listened to that one. Did you? Yeah, yeah, okay, I did, yeah. yeah. I don't think I'll ever put that one out, or if I do, it'll be, oh, like, on, like, a sorry. Patreon. Well, no, that, no, I was gonna say that, um, on, like, a Patreon or something, just because the audio quality is, like, not the best, and it was, like, mm. the first one I, like, ever recorded, mm-hmm. um, so I'm sure it'll be, like, available somewhere at some point, um, and I, like, I do really like what we talked about, um, but we're, like, we already have plans to, like, do another episode instead, nice. um, but, yeah, the, I wanted to do this topic of, like, every movie kind of has, like, its ugly twin, which is, like, yeah. comparing, like, two movies <clears throat> that, on paper are very very like but on screen are very very different and like the small decisions made that like made one drastically worse mm. than the other and that's kind of how i feel about adaptations which i mean for the past couple of years i do watch movies because i enjoy them but a lot of the time i watch movies is because i like want to learn something about like filmmaking mm. um and so i find the process of um going back and forth between source material and like the film to be like really really educational Mm -hmm. just in terms of an established director's like like decision making i love when they don't match Mm -hmm. but i don't know how you feel about this topic like where you fit 
to me, it's so hard because, okay, one example of a movie that I love not matching the source material is The Hunger Games. Mm. I hate, like, when I was a kid and The Hunger Games was coming out, I tried to read it because everyone was reading it, and I despised that book. Like, I hated The Hunger Games book. I just thought it was, like, Countess's character in the book is such a bitch, but not Mm. in, like, a charming, like, not in a way that you're still rooting for her, like, in the movie. Like, she just sucks ass. Yeah. In the, in the book. I was like, you're insufferable. Yeah. And so I, I hated, hated, hated the book. I don't even think I could finish it. It was so bad. Um, but I, the movie is, like, my favorite comfort movie. Like, the Hunger Games series. I love those movies. Yeah. And so for then, I'm like, well, thank God you actually, like, made Katniss into an interesting character who I didn't want to stab every second I had to look at her. Yeah. It also helps that it's Jennifer Lawrence because she's yeah, a, just like a, a likable figure, I yeah. think. Um, but so then, so for me, it's like, well, especially with books and turning books into movies, I think there are a lot of books that aren't good but have some elements that are good to them. And then it's like, yeah, you take those elements and you make your kind of newer version of the story with them. Yeah. But then to me, there are also books that are like sacred texts Mm. that are perfect and you do not touch those. (laughs) Like you do not change what's happening in that book. Yeah. So I guess for me, it's just super dependent on what the source material is. Yeah. Actually, I feel like that basically, yeah, summarizes exactly what I was feeling as well. And I was trying to figure out, like, why that may be and what makes these things into those, like, sacred texts, Mm -hmm. as you called them. And, like, the three that I want to talk about are um, Annihilation, obviously Children of Men, and then Normal People. And all of them I have, like, read and watched, like, multiple times through and still, like... I was I was telling Claire we both were like I have no notes for this like I was I was trying to comprehend I feel like I I bit off a bit more than I could chew in the sense that I had to keep reminding myself that that the kind of hypothesis or thesis or whatever you want to call it of this episode was like should they or should they not match source material and not like what are these stories about to their core because I was like Mm. there's so much and Mm -hmm. it's so hard to explain I was like I don't have to explain it like these movies are out there people can watch them for themselves (laughs) and decide you can read the book and watch the movie I was like like, trying so hard to just like quantify like everything that these stories are about and instead I'm just going to focus on like the tiny little bits that my little brain can explain because I feel like watching all of these but especially like a sci-fi like it does something to my brain that feels so good it makes so much sense but to be able to like explain that back to another person Mm. for me is really challenging and so I found that to be quite tricky but also that's I think why I like sci-fi films so much is that they can like comprehend these concepts and regurgitate them back to you in a new way Mm. that still like rings true to the original text. I'm like, mm-hmm. God, these people are geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's yeah, yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, which, do you know, like, a specific or, like, a couple stories or books or whatever that you wanted to specifically talk about? Yeah, I have a few. 
Call Me By Your Name is one. <laughs> I was going to put that one on of- my list, but we'll get to that. Claire and I have a very <laughs> specific dialogue about this. It's, you know, yeah. There's a lot of thoughts and feelings around yeah. that movie yeah. in general. Um, Call Me By Your Name. Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth, mm. which is kind of different because, like, the source material was a play, so it was kind of meant to be produced, not just read anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and The Great Gatsby, the Boz Lerman, yep. Great Gatsby mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe The Outsiders, but The Outsiders to me is just, like, the most sacred of texts because mm-hmm. it's the perfect book. And the movie captured it perfectly as well Ah, so yeah very good yes i always like to kind of yeah add like as much context as possible when doing these discussions um especially because i know that a lot of it and thank goodness is like a lot of like personal opinion which which i love like i don't love like textbook absolutes or whatever Mm -hmm. like i want to hear like how each guest like individually thinks about these ideas but also I obviously know you a lot better than like the average listener would Mm -hmm. know you so it's good to like know the biases or whatever anyway um so which of the like source material that or stories that you're going to be talking about which is your favorite and like in what form okay well my my favorite of of the source material or the adaptation I guess all of them okay because out of that list my favorite source material is the outsiders it's Mm -hmm. It's the perfect book that's ever written. I like, <laughs> I know everyone read it in grade nine English class. <laughs> yeah. But for good reason. Yeah. Um, Essie Hinton wrote that when she was 15 and 16 years old. Crazy. She was a genius. It's one of the most purest novels because it was written by a child while they were a child. Yeah. And so it just like, it just is pure and yeah. like s- such a great version. That. Exactly. It's yeah. like such a pure, beautiful form of of expression of what a teenager was going through at that time Mm -hmm. um so that's probably my favorite of the source materials uh my favorite adaptation is call me by your name which you know yeah luca like it it's so hard because i mean everyone knows army hammer is uh he ruined things for the world yes um and so it's so hard when i talk about call me by your name because he's tainted it so much yeah i can't watch so it anymore. i know i can't rewatch it so i have to think about it like the first time i watched it mm-hmm. and not like knowing what everyone knows now about army hammer being a sexual predator yeah <laughs> so it's like in my in my brain when i think about it as like my favorite movie it's my favorite movie in the first time that I yeah. saw it. Mm-hmm. But could I rewatch it and would it be my favorite movie I've tried now? so many it times. It wouldn't. And because I've read it a couple of times and this has happened to me multiple times because I always forget. I'm like, I'm going to listen to the audiobook. It's fucking read by Army Hammer. Why did they do that? So like I have this app called Libby <laughs> and it connects to the Vancouver Public Library. So you can, you have, it has the same processes. Like you have to like put holds and stuff. There's only mm-hmm. so many digital copies of each thing or whatever. And I was scrolling through one day and you could get like, it was like, uh, reserve it now or like book it now or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was the Call Me By Your Name audiobook. And I was like, oh, well, I'm just like sitting at home working. Like I'll listen to it while I work. I like get my headphones, get a little snack and a tea. And I'm like all settled in. I like put my Bose headphones on. And then all of a sudden it's just, like army, army hammer. hammer and i was like no it was the most 
devastating. And I'm sure, like, I'm there must be, like, other versions somewhere. There yeah. must they be. They should have gotten... Who plays the dad? Michael Strauss. Something Berg. Strauss? Strahlberg? Stuhlbarg. Stuhlbarg. Yeah. Yes. They should have gotten him to read it. Yes. Yes. That would have been perfect. (laughs) We'll call him up and we'll get him to do a new version because that is absolutely criminal. I also just have this theory that like Luca should remake the movie and just recast someone else in Army Hammer's role. Yeah. We could reboot it in yeah, a few years. Yeah, I think so. I absolutely would. Timothy Chalamet's not going to like start looking older all of a sudden. Like that's not going to be a problem. He could still do it. <laughs> exactly. He could absolutely still do it. I think we've got at least 5 years yes. that he can play a teenager for. <laughs> yeah. I also do you remember the time I like texted you and I was like this is our generation's Lolita. And you were like, shut your mouth. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I love Timmy and I'm finding it really hard to see him in this sexualized role when he was so young. But like, I don't know. I'll get over it eventually. I know. And I know it's very different. But I I think it was just because I hate Army Hammer so much. Mm. Like, that it just made things like extremely tricky. But, yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. I know. It's so beautiful. I remember like, I saw the trailer um, and I recognized Timmy from Hot his, Summer Nights. No, oh. <laughs> from his role in Homeland. Oh, and I remember this is K. Okay, no word of a lie, and this is like my biggest life regret. Not that anything could have happened, but I want to be Timmy. I want to be your best friend. And I saw him in Homeland, and I was like, "This guy is going to be like really attractive when he's older." <laughs> And I, like, searched him up on Instagram. I swear to God, he either had 3,000 or 30,000 followers on Instagram. So, like, very low numbers. You could have DM'd him. But his Instagram was, like, so bad. Timmy, your Instagram was so bad. I was like, this can't be a real account because he wasn't verified yet. And then Call Me By Your Name came out and he, like, got nominated for his Oscar. And he absolutely has just exploded after Mm -hmm. the last five years. And I'm like, we could have been friends he's like hollywood's darling now yeah, which like, as he should be it's i think oh, well well no deserved deserving, like yeah. tom holland wishes yeah yeah he <laughs> nothing does. against tom holland but not the same it, you're not in the same category no. here yeah and i i remember like i saw the trailer and, and just became absolutely obsessed by that story mm. and a friend of mine actually was reading the book and, like, lent me his copy. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up, like, buying my own afterwards and, like, read it again and, like, watched the movie. And I remember um, when I first watched it, I hadn't seen any of Luca's movies yet. And I was really struck by um, those long wide shots oh. where they're, like, moving out of frame. And I remember just being like, I want to be with them. I want to be close to them. And it, like, irked me, but in the perfect way because it made it feel so much like it was theirs that mm-hmm. love story rather than the viewers which like looking back was like a really really great choice but at the time I was like no like in this book like you're right there mm-hmm. you're right in his mm-hmm. head well because it is so much distance it's written in first person I the book think, yes I think yes so. it is written in first person from Elio's point of view mm-hmm. yeah yeah no I just it it's like just the most visually gorgeous movie i've ever seen in my life so i like i have an absolute obsession with italy so it couldn't be more <laughs> did you perfect. know the fountain where they go bike their bikes are still there they're like part of it's like an exhibit that like elio and oliver's bikes are okay. at the fountain well that's where i'm headed <laughs> i know yeah as soon as i hit my two years of my italian duolingo which is in like 
I think like a hundred more days. Perfect. Then I'll be I'll be ready to go. Perfect. I can survive <laughs> in Italy. Yeah, I think for my my favorite version of of like all mine novels, I think I guess out of the books like normal people would be my favorite. Mm. Um, it's just like one of those books that you can like sit down and just like read and because you haven't read it, right? I haven't read it. You yet, could like no. read it straight through, and I feel like it's like another Call Me by Your Name, hmm. but in like a different context. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually do think that you would like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you look for in stories? Like what is your perfect subject matter? I love books and movies that are about something that can really happen. That's like a big thing for me. It's like it's it's something that is like real and feels like it could happen. It could be happening right now somewhere kind of thing. And also, I really love stories that don't exactly have a plot. Like, they're kind of just, like, a snapshot of time Mm -hmm. in someone's life. One of my favorite movies is Short Term 12, which is about a a youth foster group foster home. And it's, like, the perfect example of that in that it's so real. It's exactly what you would imagine happening in a group foster home and it doesn't really have a plot like there is a climax there are there are peaks and valleys in the story Mm -hmm. but it is just like a couple weeks in time at this group home Mm -hmm. and so I love that like just the it could happen anywhere it could happen at any time it just is really beautiful to me when it's Mm -hmm. I don't know people making a story about normal things yeah I guess Mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah I feel like I I may cut this out because I'm embarrassed. I have been, like, trying to, like, write a novel for, like, three years. And you've seen, like, some of it. You're, like, the Mm. only person (laughs) that I send it to. And, like, even, like, there's so much of it that, like, I have never sent to you. But as soon as it's done, like, the first person that's going to see it is you. And I noticed, I don't think it was on purpose because I'd only seen Children of Men once at this point, like, a couple years before. Um, And... I hadn't read the book and I realized that like a lot of the stuff I was trying to write about is like in that story and Mm. that made me feel like it felt actually like very validating like it's this weird thing of being like do I actually like the concepts I like or do I just like want to be interesting but then when you (laughs) see like repeating patterns you didn't know were there you're like oh okay no yeah like I actually am interested in these (laughs) concepts which is like I know, like, a lot of, like, theologists are, like, fascinated by this story. Mm. Um, so I love, like, anything with, like, some sort of, like, religious element in some way. Um, and then, like, the idea of, like, cosmic or capital punishment I find fascinating. And then, like, just the 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 idea of, like, coping mechanisms I mm. also find really fascinating. So one of the things I like best about Children of Men is, like, um, kind of the way that a lot of the characters are defined is through their chosen way of dealing with being faced with their mortality. Mm -hmm. And that to me is like literally every single movie ever made from this point onwards could be about that. And I would watch every (laughs) single one of them. Like I find that endlessly fascinating. So I think like that's something that I, I look for a lot. I also think um, there's a lot of like conversations in the novel about like what art is and what art is for Hmm. um and so just the idea of like um i feel like we've lost that now with like the digital age and like social media 
of that art is made to be seen and made for others and once you like put it out there like it's not really yours anymore Mm -hmm. um and it needs like it needs like a conversation around it whereas like now with social media I feel like people are really like really hold on to like the ownership Mm -hmm. of things and like don't really want anyone else's like perception it's just like this is what it is and this is what it'll be forever yeah art is only art with an audience yeah exactly like until even even if the audience is like a small group of people or whatever like it's like if a tree falls in the forest yeah with no one there did it make a sound well it's the same thing like if art exists with no one there to experience it Mm -hmm. does it really exist i don't know yeah and so what was fascinating was like you kind of see it in the movie with like the arc of arts because basically the premise is that uh, mankind is infertile and has mm-hmm. no babies have been born in like 20 years. And so people are wondering like the Mona Lisa and like the Statue of David and all these like all these other ones I can never remember the names of like all these really, really famous art pieces. Like what is the point of them when we're gone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, like the Statue of David like would still be there in its physical form but with no one left to like it's just the same as anything else it's the same as a rock exactly yeah i just for funsies because i'm curious would like you to rank these narrative elements okay so we have theme plot characters setting and then like the political context surrounding the piece of work like in the actual world Hmm. it's easier for me to list them as least important okay to most important than the other way around. Okay. To me, setting is least important. I think it's because I like stories that are about anything. Like, it really doesn't matter where it takes place to me because mm-hmm. it's about the story. Mm-hmm. Then I would say theme is probably the the second least important to me because, well, all of the, mo- all of the movies that I like are about a lot of things because a lot of the movies I like are just about regular life. So they're they're kind of themeless, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so or just like hidden so well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so subtle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so setting and theme are not that important to me. I would say the politics and context is probably right in the middle, but the next three plot characters and politics and context, those three are all very important to me I think so it's kind of hard to rank the three kind of goes laterally yeah a little Mm -hmm. bit Mm -hmm. because context like (laughs) not even for what makes a good movie a good movie but like as the viewer how does my context shape my viewing of the movie Mm -hmm. so not even like the the context of the movie itself but the audience's context while they're watching the movie individually like one thing I really love doing is i love hate watching u.s military movies because i find them so fascinating yes as a canadian who doesn't give a shit about the military like i literally could not care less about the military and so it's so interesting to me to watch like um zero dark 30 Mm. and just be like or like american sniper yeah it's like it's just military propaganda yeah and like, thinking about myself as a Canadian young woman who's not patriotic, like, I don't really care watching this. And then I think about, like, who this is marketed towards and just that difference. Like, that is so interesting to me mm-hmm. in a in a movie watching experience. Yeah. So, 
Especially when it starts to get you and you're like, mm-hmm. wow. I know. Like when I'm like, yes, Jessica Chastain, like yeah. kill Osama Bin Laden. And I'm like, what <laughs> am I doing? Go like, Bradley uh, Cooper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn, they know what they're doing yeah, down there. <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah. So, so yeah, context, super important. Characters are super important to me because I love, well, I love female characters. And so characters are kind of like, especially female characters to me in a movie, are the make or break in a movie. And usually that comes to whether the screenplay was written by a man or a woman. (laughs) Yeah. But sometimes you can be surprised. Yes, you can. You can. And so characters to me are are really important, especially female characters. Just like knowing, knowing who they are, even if you don't relate to them necessarily, you understand them. That is really important to me in characters and how they're written. Um, and then plot, like I was saying, I kind of like plotless things. Yeah. So I love something that the story is just, is just there. Like it's just part of the world, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, those three are the most important in the setting and theme. I'm like, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like, I feel like in like an action film, which I do love, um, there is like, um, an over obsession with. And how did we get here? And mm. how did we get here? And how did we get here? And with those like slice of life movies, like you can just cut who knows how long between scenes. Like now you're on a boat mm-hmm. and then now you're like in a basement mm-hmm. and it's like, you don't care at all. Like how you even got yeah. there. And I feel like almost we are similar in a way where we like stories that are a bit more like ambiguous in nature because it's, a lot more difficult to pick them apart. Mm-hmm. And so something like The Grey Man, which just came out with like a freaking Marvel action movie, yeah. <laughs> is like, it's so, I mean, I don't know if you saw my letterbox. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't yet, sleep I that night. To. And I, I watched it like right at midnight when it came out. I mean, I love Ryan Gosling. I'll admit it. I think he's amazing. And a lot of people discount his acting but i love a stoic he's a good man. actor yes. yeah and um i think he's great in that and i watched it and logged it like right as it came out there wasn't very many reviews but a lot of them were really really negative <laughs> and i had like given it like four and a half stars which like i don't care like i don't care about like people being like this is like a mainstream movie like what like i can still like stuff i gave twilight five stars <laughs> yeah. so. I it, like, and um and yeah, I went back and added a review and was like, I like this a lot. Sue me. <laughs> like, so what? Uh, yeah, I, I thought that. And then actually I went I went back and I like gave it like a scrub through and I was like, ooh, actually like the visual effects in this are like pretty bad. Like, I was like, they should have left <laughs> you out. You just got caught up in the moment. Yeah, I did. Well, I, I love like same as like I, I have mentioned on the podcast before, I really like Chris Pratt's um, Terminal List, this series that came out on Amazon. And um one thing I liked a lot about Ryan Gosling's character six was like, you could see his decision making. Mm. So had that not been in the movie, like I probably wouldn't have mm. liked it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like a wannabe like John Wick. And yeah, yeah. So obviously okay. like anything in that vein, like I would be really into anyway. So it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. But yeah, I guess just quick for context for me. Also, I would, mine would be very, very similar to yours. I would definitely put setting last. Um, we have Daniel, if you're listening, not Daniel Berg, other Daniel, I forget your last name, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, Daniel loves 
um, like high fantasy and wouldn't read a novel that was like less than like 600 mm-hmm. pages. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Daniel Richardson. Yes. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we would disagree on a lot, especially because we did a lot of creative writing classes, all three of us, and we would do a lot of like workshopping and he like needed to like map out the scenes to every speck of dust on the countertop. Mm. Like he's so, so particular, which there definitely like are people out there who need that and love that. And that's people who read fantasy. Yeah. So, like that is the genre, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that is like my worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, give me ideas, give me concepts. Mm-hmm. You can leave the rest. I don't really care. And I think um, something which definitely goes along with this discussion is like I was sitting after work um at the bar the other day and one of the girls who runs the door her dad came in and so we were just sitting uh together just like chatting and I had mentioned the podcast and I must have mentioned that we were going to do this episode actually Mm, interesting because he like went off on this whole spiel on his opinion of of should they or should they not match Mm -hmm. and which was great and I loved it um but one of the things that he said that I, like, didn't agree with and never really got the chance to say I disagree. <laughs> so this is me saying I disagree. Um, he was saying that um, no film could ever match his imagination. Hmm. And I was like, my imagination does not compare to, like, Denis, Luca, like, mm-hmm. Alfonso Cuaron, Christopher Nolan, like, David Fincher, like, PTA, like, all these auteur like directors that i absolutely love like my vision does not match their vision mm. so, like anytime i love a story i'm like god i just really hope someone really really smart gets this because like i could never dream of like some of the adaptations that i've seen i think like call me by your name was like pretty true to the story which yeah. is nice but yeah i don't like when i i don't i don't think in images i think mm. in concepts so to me it just like doesn't really matter setting yeah. doesn't matter um that's my long-winded explanation anyway um yes very similar um i would say um maybe i would put plot next context in the middle is that the same as you characters Uh, oh i I had theme close to the bottom oh yeah i would put theme first for sure um and then characters second yeah i mean yeah yep I that's right i have no other thoughts on this that's where i would go um yeah so i don't know if like i i guess i have like three main pieces that i think and then i kind of like pulled bits from each movie to like support them so i don't know okay. how you want to do it if you want to keep it like movie by movie or if you want to keep it like reason by reason and go like back and forth all three at once or what do you think maybe just movie by movie it might movie be the easiest movie. way because each story has different yeah Okay. Elements of it. Um, do you mind if I do mine first? Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's I, your podcast. Thanks. Yeah, I guess it's <laughs> um, Yeah, so the one I kind of wanted to start with is Annihilation. Um, the novel is written by Jeff Vandermeer. Uh, the film is directed by Alex Garland. Uh, came out in 2018. I saw it in theaters. And this, like, if anything was going to get me to the theater, it would be something like this um or like similarly like we were talking earlier before we got on like everything everywhere all at once Mm -hmm. something that is like very much a spectacle um and like very visually striking I mean I go to the theater all the time but this is one that I would Mm -hmm. be like really excited about and I hadn't read the novel but 
I love sci-fi. And so I went, I think I read the book maybe like two weeks to like a month after. Mm. And then I've seen the movie twice more now. And then I skimmed a bit um, the other day. One of my like main things about this argument, I guess, is like a lot of my favorite scenes in adaptations aren't in the books, but they're Mm. so good. Um, And so there's this scene in Annihilation uh, where they finally get to like the mess hall. One of the things I love about this story is that it is four or five, I think, women. Mm -hmm. In the novel, they're not named. They are um, named by their kind of like their professions. So you have... Okay, cool. So in the novel, they have... A biologist, an anthropologist, a surveyor, and a psychologist. Cool. In the movie, they have... I didn't catch what she said, the word, and I didn't rewind it. But she tests magnetic fields. Then they have a paramedic, a physicist, a biologist again, which is the main character, Natalie Portman's character. But she also has a military background. And then the psychologist is the leader. Um, And so I do think this, like, changes the story in a way. Um, But also I just find it fascinating about I think this does go to show like why it's so important when you do pick like your narrator or your characters just because had this been a group of five military men going through this area x or whatever the story would be completely different Mm. and so rather than them going in like all brute force they send in this like team of selected women with different professions to go in and try and figure out like what it is instead. And that's what I want. I want Mm. them to like go in and like be detectives and try to figure this out. Like it's endlessly enjoyable watching like Natalie Portman, like staring at species of flowers and being like, (laughs) this is fascinating. Like you would think they're all different species, but they're all growing from the same plant. So like what's going on. And that's like kind of their first like indication. Um, but yeah, I could go on and on and on and on about that. But my two, two of my favorite, actually there's three. My three favorite scenes in this, they get to the mess hall. Um, they find the um, tape recorder with the footage of Natalie Portman's um, husband who had gone in previously and none of the women know about this. Um, played by Oscar Isaac, love you, homie. <laughs> and um, in the book, they like strap this man down to a chair and it's like this really gruesome footage i can't remember exactly what happens Um, and he like dies and then they kind of like walk around the space a bit and they like see the skeleton like on the chair like still tied down and it like really really spooks them and that like is like a great like is a great scene in the book Mm -hmm. but it definitely compared to the film feels very much like a first draft um because hmm. they go th- you have you seen you seen, I haven't, you seen no. the movie oh my god i'm spoiling it i'm so sorry that's okay i i can kind of know the concept of they <laughs> they like go through this area they like go down into this pool because they're like as they're watching the footage they're following their foot it's so cool. good it's so good they go down into this pool or no they no no, no. they stay in the room they watch the footage and it scares the shit out of them like it's so eerie and the paramedic woman is like it's a trick of the light like they basically like cut this man's stomach open in a square and like inside him is like snakes or like intestines like it's very inhuman they're like freaking out and then i think it's the psychologist is like logic first she's like well if it's here like it would like we there will be evidence of it and so they go down to this pool 
empty. Um, and there he is. And this is the most like visually striking thing I've ever seen. And if you've seen like any of the art that I like have up in my house, mm-hmm. it would like make perfect sense. Very gruesome. And his body has just like grown like mold up the side of the wall and his like chest is like six feet in the air like kind of bones but like covered in like this beautifully like colored mold and then his head is like up higher and his like jaw is over here and his skull is over here and it's like it's just like it's disgusting but it's like amazing Mm. and I really don't know like how they could have captured that Mm. in words like you just you just have to see it Mm -hmm. um and I think that's something that goes a lot in this film is like a lot of the concept is like very incomprehensible on purpose so i love that scene there's another scene one of this like very lovely her name is shepherd um gets taken by this like weird bear creature and natalie portman's character lena finds her like dead body to like save the other women from having to see it because they're definitely like a lot weaker stomached Mm. um and if i'm remembering correctly they start to not believe her that she actually died. And we know that she's dead Weird. because we've seen the yeah. body, but they haven't. So they think that she's lying because they, the other four women have known each other for a really long time. And Lena just like tags on at the last minute. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And because her husband, Oscar Isaac, like went in, was missing for a year and then just like appeared in their bedroom. And they're like, how did he get back? And then <laughs> that's how she gets like sucked in because they come get him. Mm. And so she gets taken to the space. And... So they're like, oh, it's so good. I think about this scene all the time too. It's played by um, Tessa Thompson, isn't it? But it's not her. It's the girl from um, oh, she's Spanish. Jane the Virgin is yeah, that actress? I think so. Oh, I love her. Gina Rodriguez is that her name? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. She's the paramedic, and she like just really is not on board with Lena or with this whole thing. Like she wants to go back. And they want to keep pushing forward. I don't know if she, like, drugs them or something, but she somehow manages to get the three other women, like, strapped down to chairs, Mm. like, in this abandoned house. Mm -hmm. And she is, like, losing her marbles, like, probably has a gun in her hands and is, like, interrogating them. And I think they're, like, bound so they can't speak, like, they're gagged or whatever. And all of a sudden, outside, you, like, hear Shepard, the character who... I'm getting chills thinking about it. <laughs> the char- Shepard, the character who has died, like, a couple of nights previously, screaming, like, bloody murder. Oh, God. And Gina's character, like, is like, I fucking knew she wasn't dead. Like, fuck you, Lena. And, like, w- like immediately runs outside. And then, like, commotion happens. You don't see her. Like, we're stuck on the women, like, tied down to the chairs. Yeah. She gets, like, I'm fairly certain you can hear her get, like, vigorously mauled by this creature. <laughs> and then it, like, comes in, and it's almost like a bear, but not quite. It's, like, hairless and, like, creepy. And one of, like, the main themes in this story is, like, um, mutations and, like, just everything kind of coming together to be one. And, like, the creation of destruction that comes from destruction, mm, cool. basically. And so it comes in, and it gets, like right next to their faces and like opens its mouth and screams like shepherd shepherd's voice comes out of the bear right and so it just goes to show like that that it's bringing everything in Mm. and everything's getting mushed together and it's just like a fascinating scene 
And I, I really don't see how you could have that effect through a novel. Like I'm, I'm fairly mm. certain that scene is not in the in the book at all. Um, and then lastly, same deal. It's the sound design when she's like down. She finally gets to the lighthouse, and there's um, it's like this alien form. It's supposed to be like incomprehensible, and the music in this scene mm. is unbelievable. It's like this droning like warped like fog horn like it's it's amazing and it just like oh like i wish i could just I play it for you right tonight. now <laughs> yeah it's so good and like you again you couldn't you couldn't have that in a novel and the there's a lot of differences between the book and the, mm. and the movie and um i like we don't have time obviously to like unpack them all but um in this particular scene it's unfortunate because in the book there's like one paragraph that is like trying to like explain this entity but again it's meant to be incomprehensible mm-hmm. and alien so like you can't express it through words so it's very very brief um and it kind of explains it as like a shadowy figure between panes of glass <laughs> cool and um in the in the film like i can't even describe it you just have to watch it for yourself yeah. it's like this figure that like folds in on itself and like floating and like black but yet colorful and like Weird. kaleidoscope and just like very 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 fascinating like you just see her like stare down this like it like you can't look away and there's these new ai things going around that make ai art that i'm like super oh yeah, fascinated yeah, yeah. With. and so i was like ooh, big nerd brain why don't i take this paragraph or like a line from this paragraph yes. so that she <laughs> uh, the shadowy figure between panes of glass and put it into like the the art ar thing and I'll find a way to, like, post it somehow. But did I send it to you? I don't think so. Because um, I was like, what if, like, how similar would it be to to what we see on screen in, mm-hmm. the, in, in the movie? And because, like, obviously, like, AI is, like, supposed to be, like, human technology or whatever, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and it, like, makes its own choices and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, a director interpreting a text, an AI interpreting a text, will they be similar at all? Not really, but it, this is what it made. Okay. And so I just thought that was, like, really, really cool to look at. And I'll yeah. try to post it somewhere. Um, but that, to me, was, like, kind of the thing that, like, sealed the deal of, like, that I don't care if they match because I'm just mm. interested in seeing like someone else's interpretation. Yeah. So that was my freaking long-winded annihilation. <laughs> but like, yeah, I guess my lesson from that is like, as long as they like, they stay true to the concepts, but they have different tools at their disposal mm. in film. And mm-hmm. so the idea to me of like missing an opportunity just to be faithful to text, hmm. that's kind of unforgivable to me. Yeah. So. Well, and I guess, like, when you were thinking about this, I didn't even think about sound. Mm-hmm. Like, but obviously, if you have a novel, it has no sound element at all, right? And that's mm-hmm. totally imagined. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess, like, with adaptations being true to the source material, you can always add things to the source material. But I guess to me, it's, it's I guess, the same, like keeping the essence yeah, of the like source material. Yeah, like piggybacking off of yeah. streamlining also because you definitely have like a lot less time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, and I think because you like a lot of sci-fi movies, mm-hmm. which is not my, like I like sci-fi, but it's not my genre, you mm-hmm. know? And so I definitely think with that too, there's a big difference because it's so 
so subjective what you picture Mm -hmm. things in an imagined future to look like versus like the shit I like, which is like two random people walking around. (laughs) Like there's less there to be uh, interpreted Mm -hmm. in a visual way, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Well, yours is a lot about about sound and effects, actually. Mm -hmm. So The Great Gatsby to me is... So it's Baz Luhrmann, so he's crazy. Yeah. And he loves making things feel strange. And I'm not, like, I mean, The Great Gatsby is a modern classic, whatever. It's just another old book, you know? It's a good book, but, like, it's not, like, groundbreaking to me in any way. Mm-hmm. But how how the movie interpreted that text is is absolutely perfection, especially when it comes to sound. Because do you know the Great Gatsby soundtrack? Yeah, yeah. So the soundtrack is bizarre. It is Jay-Z and Kanye West. It is Black Eyed Peas. It is Beyonce. It is Frank Ocean. It is freaking... Lana Del Rey. Yeah, Lana Del Rey. Like, it is... It's so modern and it's so... Which, like, is what he did with Elvis, too. Put Doja Cat as, like, the main... Oh, (laughs) I didn't know that! Like, what? (laughs) That's kind of weird, because that's actually, like, about music, whereas The Great Gatsby is not about music. But everyone thinks it's an Elvis diss track on the soundtrack. (laughs) Like, I didn't follow it too closely, but I was like, interesting choice. Yeah, to me, the, The Great Gatsby movie, because the most important part of The Great Gatsby book is not Jay Gatsby. It's Nick, his neighbor, watching mm-hmm. Gatsby live his life. And it is cringy. The book is cringy. This man, this adult man, is so obsessed with Jay Gatsby. Like, that is his life. He's like, who is this guy? He's so rich. He's so amazing. And so, I, because that is like the essence of the book, even though it seems awkward and cringy that they had Tobey Maguire, like, narrate the entire movie, they had to. Like, there was no way you could make that movie, like, not from a first-person perspective. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. that book is so first-person. It's so obsessive. It's, like, it's about one obsessed man watching another obsessed man watch a woman, right? So it's it's this train of obsession Mm -hmm. with getting something, being like someone. And I think... Because to me, that would be, like, what someone else would have done. They would have made it not a first-person narrative. They would have made it a zoomed-out narrative. But to me, that would be a huge mistake. Very flat. Yeah, because that movie is about Nick being obsessed with Gatsby. Like, so huge boner for him. But... (laughs) I definitely think, like, you know when the source material, again, is, like, sacred material, like you said, because the creative liberties that you can take as an adapter are so limited because it's ultra specific. Mm. And if you take anything out, it won't make sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally know. Yeah. There. Well, and, and obviously there's like a lot of, like The Great Gatsby is a very visually striking movie. It's kind of trippy and weird, which is, is not the book, but I think that's just the director's way of like showing the insanity of the obsessions that are happening right so it's it very much makes sense Mm -hmm. for the source material and and using visual elements to symbolize the source material or the source's themes yeah i never i don't know if i've read the great gatsby because did he also write 
Catcher in the Rye. Mm-mm. Different writers, but very same. Yeah, because I I read Catcher in the Rye, stuff. and it like it was not my favorite. I definitely did like the scene which the title like derives from that idea of of him like. Have you read it? Mm-hmm. Where he's like in the field, like catching the kids before mm-hmm. they like run off the cliff or something. Yeah, I can see how that is like a classic and that that would be where they pull the title and whatever. I feel like it went over my head. I think I, I read it too young. Mm. And I try to like read these like old classics like all the time and they just, I just can't. And it's so frustrating. Like I hope I can like cultivate like a taste for them. Mm. And it was similar with the Great Gatsby movie. I've seen most of it and I've seen lots and bits of pieces of it, but I feel like I just don't get it. One of my favorite things to do is like listen to people talk about stuff that they love and it makes me like it. Mm. Um, Cause I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand. And it's like you said about the casting choices. Cause I was like, I want this movie to be led by Leo. Why yeah. the hell are we on Tobey <laughs> Maguire all the time? Like go away, Tobey Maguire. Like I did not understand like what they were trying to do, but it was purely because like, I don't have the context. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Tobey Maguire is to me, He's just meant to be a reflection of Leo. Like, he he's just another version of Leo, and that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. But, well, they, like, yeah, they're buddies, aren't mm-hmm, they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's fun for them that they got to make that. I know, a little childhood BFFs. Yeah, <laughs> they I got to that. star in a crazy movie together with Carrie Mulligan. Oh, lucky. <sighs> I love, love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As mentioned in the intro, this is part one of two about whether or not adaptations should match source material. Make sure you tune in next week where we discuss Call Me By Your Name, Normal People, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and Children of Men more in depth. And as always, thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you next time.